Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Fight podcast. I is David. <laughs> I'm Heidi. You're supposed to say I are Heidi. I know. I know. I just. I, my bad I just. I can't. I don't know. I, I. I'm not as funny as you. You know. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak teenager. That's the big difference. No, you're funny. <laughs> just you don't mean to be funny. <laughs> people, people are laughing, laughing at you, just not at me, with you. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, welcome, you guys. Thanks for visiting us here. As always, our loyal Light the Fight listeners. and um, I got to apologize, too, because I got several messages this week that I'm not talking close enough to the microphone. So I'm going to try to be um, more cognizant. I kept on trying to I, I know you do, and I kept, but last week I was uncomfortable. <laughs> that, so. That's true. That's true. Shame for all those of you out there recording podcasts or just doing anything inside of a microphone. Whenever you're encompassed with shame, you pull away from the life. Yes, love. you do. And I and I do want to think like there was a lot of you that reached out. There's a lot of good conversation. So last week, in case you, you haven't listened, last week we talked about my own personal kind of struggle <laughs> with social anxiety. And kind of sort of definitely kind of a little bit. But what I didn't count on was just how many light bulb moments that I had because it was just like really we were just talking about human condition like just what people do and how people are affected so then it was just really interesting um I always know who's listening to the podcast because (laughs) they're either reaching out to me or sending me texts or you know responding we I had a great conversation with with folks over on my HeidiSwat.com page, I actually posted about it, even though I wanted to delete it. So here's the general rule. If I feel like I want to delete something, it's probably worth talking about. <laughs> well, those are our highest downloaded episodes, the ones that you beg to delete. Fortunately for us, Heidi isn't tech savvy enough to actually get in there and delete herself. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. yeah I don't. They don't give me the passwords. No, no. Anyway, so it was, but what was so great about it is that in that situation, I gained tools that I was able to pass on. So I, I wound up having conversations with my kids. I ended up having conversations with friends of my kids. Um, it was just a really good conversation. So if you haven't listened to it, I recommend it. It it was a really interesting, a lot of, a lot of ground covered last week. Yeah, definitely. I, introduced a, a new phrase. I actually went home and Googled them. Like, please let this not be something that has to do with like Nazi Germany or something like that. Because <laughs> well, I'm like social. Oh, wait a second. Because you know? <laughs> I cause I'd, I'd never said it like out loud on a podcast where I'd, I just had, had done that with, you know, young people. I'm like, you have social anxiety. The goal is to develop social autonomy. And then if you look at the two definitions of the word social autonomy, put them together, it makes sense. 
Just want to make sure there wasn't anything crazy <laughs> out there in the internet. I didn't find anything crazy, so let's just go with my definition of social autonomy. Well, and I I want you to know that I like went home and I actually wrote down what the things that I felt like. Good, good. I yeah offer and um and and it's it was good for me to have that brainstorm and and think about in in those terms rather than and one of the things in fact um i i want to kind of read it one of the texts maybe i can find it really quick um say the person's full name address and phone number i will i have i have all the information <laughs> um this person is a is a really good friend of mine and we're kind of talking about it and this person says i've been living in the same community my whole life so this person attended high school and still lives in the same community. Um, this person says, "I'm not going to say I'm not going to say if this year he is a them." Um, I love how David mentions surrounding yourself with people from all walks of life to learn and grow. I thrive on that stuff, and it's hard to get it here when everybody is so much the same. So I really, I always think it's interesting just to hear what people really. Like what jumps out of them. Yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff that I know in the podcast that I like to listen to, you can't tell by the description of the podcast. You can't tell by little sound bites um, some of the best nuggets of the conversation. You just have to go in. You have to listen to the whole thing. You have to listen the whole thing through. And um, I I think that's true with our podcast as well, that if if we we did too much of, okay, today we're going to really just beat down this one topic and talk about it. We have the freedom to just kind of kind of go with it as as we choose. And that's how we ended up on that last conversation. That's how we end up on most conversations is we have a general idea, but you know, we're not sure we're going to land the plane. We just know we're, <laughs> you know, we, well, we know how to get it off the of, ground in the air and start talking about it. Speaking of, I kind of want to throw you a curveball. Okay. Is that all right? We kind of cool. talked about- Wait, have you ever- <laughs> From the people you've referred to me over the years to yeah. the people. In case you're wondering, <laughs> I'm not allowed to refer anybody. Yeah, Heidi has to pay me to refer <laughs> me people. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is actually diverting from what we were actually going to talk about. Go for it. I, I, I love to not really play by have, rules. <laughs> we don't really have um, an outline in case you guys, I know you guys can't tell. If I'm not winning the game, I'm down to change the rules. <laughs> um. Okay, so... I've had actually several conversations, really interesting conversations this week. And and I really think that it's come from last week's episode, which was about social anxiety. But do you know what was interesting is that the conversation that's popped up is mom loneliness. So it's been a long time since I was... A mom, like stay-at-home mom, little kids, feeling kind of isolated. Um, but I vividly remember. Yeah. Um, I think that Quincy was one year old when I took a job where I started to travel and to teach and to and to do things, yeah. which I remember very much. Um, so I had three little kids. They were under the age of four. Yeah. Um, and I remember like thinking to myself, nobody told me 
how lonely being a mom is. Yeah. Like no one to talk to, no one to bounce ideas off of. And and then I remember my husband, he was working a job that, you know, he was built building a business and he would come home at like seven or eight at night, fall asleep on the couch, sleep on the couch, and then I'd be up in the morning and like we were not communicating very well. Then you'd say the wrong thing, and then you'd make him sleep on the couch. And you forgot that part. <laughs> that's right, that's Continue. Right. Well, he'd come home. There'd be scrapbooking crap all over, and he'd be like, "And I'm out." Yeah. Because I there's only one place to sleep, to which here. was the couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, then it was interesting because I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs, women, that entrepreneur friends that I'm kind of networking yet, who also talk about loneliness. Um, it, it was kind of interesting as I'm having these conversations. And so what usually happens is I'll have a conversation with one person, something crops up, and then I'm talking to another friend and then I kind of share what somebody shared and then it kind of turns, so it kind of turns into like this big soup. But do you hear from your clients like mom loneliness? Like, you know, we talk about how connection is the antidote, is the kryptonite for depression. Um, when parents are depressed, struggling, feeling lonely, not feeling connected, it is really hard to then foster and model and help help your kids out of this situation. And I And I really think that social media tends to be very isolating. And, you know, a lot of times we come here and we talk about like kids' social struggles. And so I guess, I guess me kind of throwing this curveball is like, here's this one situation where you have social anxiety. And, and that was my issue and what I was dealing with. But, but what about like genuine adult loneliness and how it affects your ability to just be happy. And, and then one of the things that we were talking about before is that our kids are not happy when we're not happy, that they're just like these human detectors of parents' stress and that sometimes our stress just magnifies our kids' Stress, anxiety, discomfort, unhappiness. I mean, I just dumped a whole bunch of stuff on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, she wasn't lying, you guys. That was not what we were talking about talking about, but it's okay because we can make turns like that really quickly. So um, what you're talking about is something that I was reading a book a long time ago. I've been trying to rack my brains to try to give the author in the book credit and I just can't remember. Um, Maybe what book if I would have given David some <laughs> some warning, he would have. I would have had time to prep and said, "Siri, what is a <laughs> no?" Um, it just the the quote that came from the book was specifically. Well, here, here's the quote: "Is leadership equals loneliness?" And he was referring to um, started out. This was a book about families and stuff, and this is one of the first. Um, introductions I had to this concept of seeing families 
as a business and as an organization, you know, I always say the family business mm-hmm. and to see it like a business that you're trying to run it like a business with the same intent, the same desire, you're keeping track of things as they come and go. Um, you know, it's helped a lot of families throughout the years be more effective at running a family when they looked at it as a business that had, you know, you know, goals, you know, every quarter they're trying to increase from the last year's quarter, you know? And so these metaphors help people out a lot. But um, in this one particular book, he was talking about leaders and he was using the example of CEOs of companies and entrepreneurs, like people who started their own companies. And they said, he said, one of the biggest challenges is that leaders have a hard time continually finding motivation for themselves. And leaders are often left feeling very lonely. Um, One of the big uh, things that's been taking place and definitely in the past decade, more so in the past five years, is where they try to do like meetings of peers, like business owner peers will get together. Um, Book clubs and stuff like that have always been popular, but now we're getting very specific niche groups of moms, groups of dads, people breaking off in small groups to work with people that have a very unique experience or a very unique um, situation that they're in. And it just so happens that people who own and run companies, um, especially at a certain level, have similar experiences with stress, managing their family and their work. And so when I was reading this book, he just really focused on leadership as loneliness because when you're leading anything, it's required for the leader to be out in front to take risks, take chances, and to lead by example. But when we're leading by example, we're trying to set the right example for people to follow us. Sometimes we'll turn around and realize there's no one behind us. We're like, hey, where did everybody go? Like, I thought <laughs> I thought you guys were all, it's like, come on, you know, those movies, like, come on, let's go charge. The person's going, turns around, it's like, I thought we were all going <laughs> to storm the hill together. Everybody's like, ah, that was your idea, yeah, man. That not was- happening. So um, when you'd when you'd said that that loneliness you talk about um, now let me take this back to I counsel kids teenagers mostly and as I'm talking to them I counsel their parents and their parents will just start you know I'm, I'm basically I'm not technically the parents counselor but I become like the parents hairdresser where they start just sharing all their personal things to me and it's it's so cute because a lot of times parents will be trying to tell me all the angers and frustrations of their kid. And as they start expressing all these things, they're like, okay, that didn't make me look like a great parent. Okay. What I meant. To say, <laughs> and then they just start saying, okay, well, here's the, here's the real deal. And I'm so thankful that parents who by definition are leaders in their role in the family business, they're at the top of the food chain, CEO, CFO, whatever you want to call it. So when I read that book and I th- and he talked about leadership equals loneliness, he kept on repeating that over and over again. He said, if you want to be a leader, it's easy to plan for, I'm going to be the person out in front, but it's, it's, hard, it's hard to anticipate how lonely the pressure feels, how lonely the, um, the wins can sometimes be, because a lot of times the wins that you have will just be a win for you, mm-hmm. not for anyone else. Mm-hmm. And then also too, when we're in between the transition, so let's say as, as a company, let's say you're working really hard to meet this objective or agenda and you have this timeline, you hit that timeline. Then after you hit that timeline, things are kind of coasting. How do I keep on staying motivated to motivate other people? Because they're going to lose their motivation if the leader's not motivated. And then you get into, if you're talking about an actual parent, they're dropping their kids off at school. Maybe kids go from preschool to normal school and all these changes start happening. Then they're left with this loneliness of, 
everything that I worked super hard for to get this point has now changed so quickly. And I'm still stuck on this particular point. I'm still stuck. on I need to care for these kids in this developmental stage or cycle in my life. And then they've, they've gone on to the next one. That loneliness comes from, it's very similar to, and I think we might've mentioned this on the podcast before, and I can't remember which one of my clients gave me this example, but it's beautiful. If you've ever watched a Netflix series, or if you've ever watched a long series, like you know multiple seasons, these characters and the roles that these people play have such an important part of your day-to-day life. You're thinking about the characters, you're thinking about the next episode. And then when it's over and when it's done, you're just left hanging. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Now I, I still have to go back to my job. I still have to go back to my life. But the series is now done and gone. And a lot of people tell me that they feel really weird and, and like grieving from it. When I talk to parents, specifically mothers, that they'll have a kid go on to school and now there's not any kid at home. Or now a kid goes on to preschool and they have now one kid off and a couple kids home. It's in these transitional times, these life cycle nodes when they're switching, where I find more parents supporting a greater sense of loneliness. And I really feel what they're saying is they're grieving the death of that time period of their life that they put so much time and effort and energy and focus on. Our listeners in the past two years, I guarantee we've had listeners that started off with Light the Fight going, every episode, ah, and then now two years later, they're not even listening to one episode because it's not even relevant because their teenager now went to college. Or right. you know, their situation totally changed and maybe their child was suicidal, but now their child is off in a different stage of their life and they're dealing with other problems, so they're listening to other types of podcasts. We don't really stay in one position or one place too long. So I'm not saying this is this is what all mom loneliness means. As you know, Heidi, I just want to say something that isn't probably as easily seen by most people. I just have the unique advantage of seeing this because I'm not looking to fix a problem with the moms I'm talking to. They're just sharing with me. They just feel like this, just kind of like heaviness, this loneliness. And I mean, the emotional, you know, heaviness of just having so much to do but not having a lot of people to converse with mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Moms that get together and go to lunch, moms that do those things and, and f- make time and effort to meet up with one another, they're doing themselves such a great service. So uh, that's what I was going to ask you. When you talk about leadership equals loneliness, does that, do you have, like, should you just accept that loneliness is part of my life or do you, is this an awareness tool where I, I need to say, so I am a leader. I know I'm a leader in my life somehow. And I am dealing with some loneliness and I would, it would benefit me to take action against it. Do, yeah. do, do, you, do you know what I mean? Or do, do you just like, One, this is what it is? 100% of the time, now there could be other reasons, but 100% of the time when someone is in that scenario that I just described, like they're just going through different transition and they're a leader of their family and they don't get to talk to their partner or their spouse throughout the day about all these little wins and struggles. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things you want to dump all that on your partner. Right? So those people, when they go through these different types of struggles, almost every single time when I talk to them about this and say, leadership is loneliness, they will conclude in some way, shape or form that if I was to listen to this loneliness, it's basically trying to tell me that there's a lack of something. Be- because sometimes like it doesn't your your partner has a has a different role and they yeah, and they may yeah. be lonely in their yeah. own role. So 
So that's not really yeah, helping the lonely. Well, and that's a challenge in, in intimate partners is you may have in your mind said, I'm going to be the mom that my husband's my best friend and we're going to co-parent everything. And in your mind, it sounds great. But let's say you are a stay-at-home mom and your husband is out working. You're going to want to tell him everything right when he gets home. He may not want to hear anything right when he gets home, or he may just not have the energy to give you the full attention that he wants to right when he comes home. And now this is one specific type of situation. That loneliness could be, well, I don't want to burden him. I don't want to add too much on to it. But then sometimes, well, you need to listen because it's important. We got to make decisions quickly. So there can be a lot of missed opportunities. When I say leadership is loneliness, a mom does not have another mom in the traditional husband-wife relationship <laughs> to come home and vent to someone that also was doing the exact same thing that she was doing throughout the week and throughout the day. That's why it's so crucial for moms to reach out to their moms. It's going to be harder for some moms. Some moms, they've made their, their family their friends. Mm-hmm. Some people, I see this happen a lot where their family, it's like, oh, all my friends are my family. Mm. Well, that's out of convenience sometimes. Two, it's out of security because, you know, our family has to put up with our crap, right? We put up with their crap. They got to put up with our crap. We lose their stuff. Like we got to deal with, I I was with you when you went through your third divorce, you know, like, you know, just kind of like, it's just, it's family, right? It's a family favor. It's a family thing you're putting on them. But to be around other people who are in similar job positions, so other moms, communicating with them, talking about things that they're going through, getting ideas for books and podcasts. That's when you start really coming up with solutions because going back to the leadership is loneliness. Great leaders are constantly going to be lonely. They're constantly be grieving. It's like they, they went after something, they hunt it, they killed it, they slayed that dragon. Okay, now what do we do? It's almost like you're fueled by really intense sense of urgency when you're a leader but it doesn't feel good in those ups and downs, those extremes highs, extremes lows. So the thing that I tell moms or just for for that, I mean, we're talking about moms, so I'll just stay with moms. The thing that I tell moms is whether you're single, whether you're an intimate partner relationship, whatever, you have to have other like-minded people, peers, people are going through similar things you're going through. They don't have to be your best friend. They don't have to be someone, in fact, sometimes it helps if it's not your best friend. Someone's a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of what a lot of moms will get out of exercise groups, uh, you know, book clubs, different types of get-togethers. Yeah, that one specific topic might have brought you there, but the camaraderie and the partnership and the you know, like that feeling like I'm a part of a team or something, that is what keeps you going. And then conversations will ensue. The next thing you know, you're going to lunch with you know one of the girls from there and you're hanging out. Those are the types of things that as human beings, if we're not putting investment into our, what I call our social health, then when the times come when we're lonely, the loneliness is overbearing. It's overwhelming to the point where then we start to go, okay, well, if I feel this way about me as a mother or about my situation, how am I supposed to compare myself to all these other people that they still do hard things mom and they have a job, they do this. We start comparing ourselves in a negative way to other people. That doesn't make us want to reach out and talk to other people. Mm-hmm. That makes us feel like if we talk, if we were to share our small little intricate problems, no one would relate, no one would connect with us. And so therefore we keep it close to the chest. This perpetuates itself, which adds some more loneliness. So when I hear someone in this case, you saying mom loneliness, I usually associate that with moms that don't have a good, consistent support group. So they're fearful that if they reach out to those people, those people will be burdened and those people, you know, won't be able to handle it because, you know, 
your life is really great. Those are just little small problems that you're having. So then they keep it close to themselves. Don't talk about it. It compiles and compiles over time. And they end up getting short-tempered with their parent, with their kids, with their spouse, with their family and friends. They, they start to lose the things that made them feel a sense of security in the first place. So I always suggest peer groups, people that are going through similar situations, find a way to be around other people who are also going through similar struggles, and you'll come up with better solutions by talking about those struggles. And this isn't easy. Like, no, no. I mean... There's so I, much I resistance to get starting me, things. Like, you know, this just to refer back to like last week when we talked about social anxiety. So like one situation um, that I that I was in that was causing me a lot of stress was having Quincy on the drill team. And this was kind of like this all encompassing situation. But I also um, was hesitant to make new friends yeah. because then I was like, how much do I do I share? Am I oversharing? Do, you know, can people handle me? They don't want to be, you know, like I well, that's why last, I last week's of- podcast and this one, they, they kinda they kinda go hand in hand because a lot of the social anxiety will create someone to not put themselves out there as much. But I was in this perfect situation where Well you could have. There was 30 other moms that were feeling all the same pressure that were having kids the same ages they weren't necessarily my best friends but we were like sitting at you know sitting at competitions and and when i finally like let my guard down and became friends like the whole situation became so much more pleasant yeah because we were kind of in it together and then you know pretty soon you do have a text group you know um I talked about this when we talked about this when Eric and I did our own little podcast together. Um, Eric's situation was really different than mine. But like I said, before we lost Corey, I just had all kinds of friends. I never had a lack of friends. And Eric chose me. And so I also felt like I was I was really Eric's best friend. And a few years ago, um, when Eric chose to start riding motorcycles and then all of a sudden he had friends and I was like texting the wives of his, texting the wives of the guys he was riding with saying, thank you. <laughs> and and they're kind of in a different stage of life, not as excited about their husbands going on motorcycle rides. And I was like, you guys, thank you for letting Eric. <laughs> because it was like transformative for him to have this friend group. Well, how often do we see in movies, in TV shows, is it perpetuated girl time to hang out, guys poker night? Like there's always these things in our society that was something, now not everybody did it, but obviously enough people did it to warrant to be put into, um, (laughs) a little heater said, a little possession issues (laughs) being possessed. Um, but if it made its way into sitcoms, into movies, into see that coming. If it made its way into pop culture and stuff like that, it must have been pretty common. Right. And if it was common, there must be a need there. So back to what I was saying when I when I hear mom guilt, I'll start asking questions. I'm like, oh, okay, so what do you do? You know, like mom you know, loneliness. You said mom, mom guilt. Yeah, I'm but... sorry. We'll we'll get to that one next next <laughs> mom episode. Guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Whole other episode. Yeah. So mom loneliness. Um, 
I would usually start, you know, saying, oh, man, that that's, you know, well, was it always like this? You know, did you used to do things? Oh, yeah, and I used to do this. And people reminisce about the things that they used to take time out of their life to do. But with this many kids, because we have four kids versus three now, because we have five versus four, there's always something that changed it that made it, I can't justify putting my wants and needs, my self-care before my kids. That is a Which very is a good issue. argument. That's it's a very a good issue. argument too. It's a very, especially the demands that people have in, in today's life. But you said earlier, the parent's stress spills over into the kid's stress. And our kids, they get a great model and example of how to freak out on a day-to-day -day yes, basis. Yes, they do. <laughs> because they're watching adults that have problems that they can't possibly comprehend, really struggling to figure out how to handle these problems. And so being around our peers, just like our kids need to be around their peers, we want to set up play dates. Well, you got to set up mom dates too. It, it goes both ways. You know, we know how important it is to invest time and energy to put our kids around other kids who they can practice back and forth communication with. Well, it's also important for us to put ourselves around other people that we can practice back and forth communication with. I know in church groups and in lots of social groups, it's easy. I like easy. how you said exercise because I think, you know, you see women out there walking. Um, that's always been a really good outlet yep. because I feel like I'm Social and you're exercising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. a good one. In fact, a while ago, I had a yoga group and we had a carpool and it was like 15 minutes to the yoga studio. And, and I actually was more motivated to go to yoga for the 15 minutes that we drove to yoga and home from yoga than, I mean, I'm a terrible at yoga. Yeah. I enjoy it, <laughs> but I really loved just even that few minutes in the morning to kind of feel like I wasn't the only crazy one. Well, and also too, I think naturally most people, you know, we like to watch other people. We we're, we're all have a little bit of the voyeur, like kind of seeing what other people are doing. Like, mm -hmm. hey, what are they doing? What are they doing? People watching, right? Um, but as we work with our kids, we want our kids, we all know that social is important. Not every kid's personality is going to need to have 100 friends, but having a good social group is friends. Whatever it is we want our kids to be able to do in life, and it's something that's very important and we want them to see how important it is, then we got to make sure that we're doing the same thing too. So a big one that as I do these debates back and forth with teens and their parents, once they get through a lot of counseling, they, they get good at communicating. We'll do debates where the parent will pick a subject that they want their kid to work on and then the kid will rebuttal it saying, well, yeah, well, you're not working on this exact same subject. Mm -hmm. And it's a little unfair because I helped the teens at first and the parents <laughs> like, hey, wait a second, this is not fair that you're, you're on like, you're their coach telling them what to say to me. Um, one that comes up a lot is um, parents will say, I want you to pick good friends. Mm -hmm. And then the teenager will say, okay, well, here's a couple people in your life that are always stressing you out, that you're always trying to save them. You're always trying to rescue them. Oh, yeah. And these are people dragging you down. And then either if I'm talking to the husband or you know the wife, whatever, the other partner sitting there going, mm-hmm, I like the way this is going. <laughs> and so – we wouldn't normally think that when we're telling our kids, pick good friends, be around people, uplift you. We wouldn't think that sometimes when we're trying to help people in difficult times and it's hard to explain history with people. Like it's hard for me with my wife and it's hard for her with me. I mean, we get it now, but in the beginning of our relationship, she'd be like, why are you even friends with the person? I'm like, that's a very good question. I don't have a good answer to that except for longevity. 
some people just get our they know too many secrets i can't (laughs) some people and i was telling you about one of my closest friends you're gonna meet when when we go speak in riverside in april and i'm like there's no reason why he and i should be friends like there's literally the guy's 20 years older than me we should not be friends on any planet but for some reason I mean, I could leave, you know, if I ever was fortunate enough to have a million dollars cash, I could leave it in his closet and just leave it there, come back 10 years later, have dust on it. It wouldn't touch it. <laughs> Guy is as the salt of the earth, loyal as you could possibly be. But it's hard for us to just warrant like why it's worth this friendship with this person. Our kids, they're trying to figure this out at the same time. Um, so being open with our family members about where we're at and exactly the loneliest we have, can't just be like, I feel lonely. Hopefully this conversation will help you actually express it a little bit. Say, I feel lonely. I think it might have, at least in part, have to do with me not putting it a high priority to get together with my girlfriends, my guy friends, or to go to do the things that I really love to do. Um, when I don't do some of the activities I really I, do, yeah, I love the, that. the physical activity is almost the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. The camaraderie and the team and being a part of something, that is actually so much more motivating and keeps people coming back than the actual activity itself. The activity itself is great and that's why we say we're gonna go to the class or why we say we're gonna go to that book club. But the camaraderie and feeling a part of something, it is in our DNA. If we do not feel like we're a part of something, we're wondering what are we even doing anyway? So are we just living just to, you know, take care of our kids, every desire and need that they have, what is in it for us? And I, I really love that you, that you brought that up, the fact that we're made to have these connections. And, and the one thing that I wanted to add when we do have people in our lives that might be energy sucking for us, I think that we need to rec, we can recognize this probably isn't the best solution for my loneliness. Like this particular person, even though you can't, maybe you can't cut them out of your life or you can't um, end that relationship, but maybe you can recognize, um, I just spent all day with this person. Now I, I gotta make sure I gotta spend. I wish I could go back to being lonely because now I'm angry. (laughs) (laughs) Spend all day with some people. Loneliness is the least of your worries then. Cause you know, they stir you up. They just, they stir contention and yeah, you know, stress you out. Yeah. I, I saw this thing on the, the interwebs. I think it was actually yesterday and it was posted by your friend, Taryn, who I, who I follow. Um, Taryn is a real advocate for mental health. And this was actually posted as a meme that was posted by something called Crazy Head Comics. And it talks about, and I'll, I'll have to post it on like the fight so you can see it. But it says hierarchy of mental health needs. And um, I'm just going to kind of describe it. It's it's like, it's basically like a triangle, like, like a... <laughs> It's a pyramid. It's like a food like, pyramid. Like a, fear, a food yeah. pyramid. That's right. And at the very bottom, it says support. The second thing says treatment. The third thing says sleep. The next thing says coping strategies. The next is healthy relationships. Then self-compassion. I don't know what self-transcendence is, so maybe that's another episode. <laughs> self-transcendence, self-care, 
And then it gets into humor, empathy, rest. And at the very, very top, it says hope. There was a couple things that stood out to me. And the reason why I'm bringing this up in the context of loneliness as a, as a mom, the reality is that as a mom, and and I don't want to disclude dads, but because I'm a mom, that's where I'm speaking from. Moms are the glue. A lot is riding on our shoulders from our family standpoint. Yeah. And it can feel, and it does feel exhausting. And the reality is that dads don't always understand. And and then the the same is true. What the dad's holding and what the dad's doing and how the dad is holding things together. There's dad the, loneliness the too. Mom, yeah, yeah, the moms don't understand, yeah. you know? And I think that we have to recognize, and this is that awareness piece, that that loneliness is a mental health. Maybe not a mental health, probably a social health. Would you categorize that? Well, I mean, the, there's a couple different types of, of loneliness. You know, there's the loneliness. Yeah, it's true. like, I'm, you know, no one, no one wants to be around me. You know, like I'm... I'm lonely in that way. And the Which, other loneliness could be you'd be surrounded by a lot of people, but you feel not a genuine connection, connection. to any of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I, but you that's know, a good point. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. No, but I, no, I, I get, I get what you're saying. And, and w- in the context of what we're talking about, there's, you know, I, I really think that mom loneliness, when I've seen it and had long conversations with moms throughout the years, I see it directly tied to some form of grief and also, like I said, not having anyone else that can relate to what you're going through that you talk to consistently. Mm -hmm. Talking to a friend once every three months is not gonna be good enough for any mom out there. Now, I'm really hard on my wife about this. She, she is, she's gotten better, but her like meet up with girlfriends and do that type of stuff. She's all in on the kids. Like we used to joke like she's used, all business. Yeah, all business. Like yeah, we and had two I can dates totally a year. Relate. Two dates a year that without kids. And I'm like, <laughs> not because we planned it, just that's how it worked out, right? And so what you know, what she's finding out is that when she does go spend time with her other mom friends, she realizes how bad they might be struggling. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I need to connect with them more. Then she gets it. But you know, out of sight, out of mind. So I think with so much of the moms out there, they have so much their eyes hyper-focused, as it should be, on their kids, that sometimes the outside world doesn't get attended to. And if you're not attending the outside world, that's a part of who you are as a person. Part of you of what matters means that you are a good friend, a good sister, a good mom, like that you're checking all those boxes. I feel like my efforts and my contribution, those relationships actually mean a lot to those people. Mm-hmm. When it when it's not when you're not connecting with other moms, because sometimes when moms get together, it's about another mom. One time you get together and go to lunch, it could be your turn where it's like, okay, now it's all, okay, let's help her today because she's the one that's a hot mess. And that's how friend groups should be. They just kind of naturally gravitate to who needs it the most. Sometimes you're the counselor. (laughs) Sometimes you need counseling. You know, just it's it's one of those things that if we acknowledge that this is what we need, then I'm going to about to give you guys a little confession here too. When I said dad, you know, dad loneliness, I've been, this is the one thing, I don't know what it's been, but since this fall till now, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not constantly thinking about my mortality, about my my death, about the friends that, that I've made throughout the years. I take my dogs on, on walks almost every single night now. And um, I take these walks and I just call different friends every single night. Mm. And I've had so many long conversations with, these are all guys that I'm calling. 
and I'm having conversation with them and then they'll tell me, thank you so much. Like none of them are doing that with their other guy friends. They're just like me. They're, they're in this career. They're going at it. They're kids. Three of my friends have, have confessed me recently. You know, they said, first of all, you're my best friend. Second of all, like I never talked to anyone like, like this. I talk about typical guy stuff at work, but nothing about anything like of this deep nature type stuff. And so then I go, hey, well, let's make it like at least a once or twice a week thing. I've been finding that I have to battle my own loneliness, but I could tell for a lot of guys, I think of so many men in my life that they were feeling the same thing that I was feeling, but A, they didn't know what it was, or B, they dismissed it and they got angry and frustrated because a lonely person is not a happy person. Right. I just, sometimes I want to be left alone. That's not the same thing. <laughs> Being left alone, like leave me alone. I, I just need some alone time. That means you're a little over maxed out. Like I get too much social on a day-to-day basis. So I want to be left alone mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But for the men out there and for the women out there, a lot of us on the inside of our day-to-day intimate thoughts and feelings, we need other people in those thoughts and feelings. We need to discuss things with people on a level that's just one trusted person talking to another trusted person. You could say something out of turn. You could say something totally irreverent, inappropriate about your kids, and that person will laugh. If you have those people in your fa- in your life, figure out a way. I'm constantly looking, who can I call? Who can I call? Who can I text? Because I went from I'm feeling like a little down and depressed and sad to, oh, I have something that I could do to correct it. But if I don't put it out there, and if I'm not texting and making the phone calls, I'm only gonna, if I only make two phone calls and two guys don't answer the phone, well, then I'm gonna feel like, oh, fine, nobody cares. You know, everybody's got their own busy life. No, I just gotta keep on going. Everybody wants to connect, but people struggle to find the time. If you struggle to find the time and you don't make the time and effort to connect and you're feeling lonely, try what we're talking about. Reach out to other people feverishly. I mean, like really put it out there and tell them it's like, we've gotten away from each other. I need this. I don't know if, you know, maybe you have tons of people to talk to, but I'm just letting you know, I'd love to hear about your day anytime. Just keep on putting that out there. That is so much better than just sitting there and coming up with more reasons and excuses why you shouldn't put yourself out Mm -hmm. there. I appreciate you sharing that. I think that you're absolutely right. And the one, if there's one thing behind maybe don't freak out that we preach more than anything, it's go first. And so (laughs) I think that there was this element of loneliness in every conversation that I had last week that that felt like it was kind of spurred by social anxiety or by not wanting to need somebody, not wanting to have to go first, not wanting to admit that you needed a friend, not wanting to admit that you needed someone to talk to or whatever. Um, Go first. Go first. And I say, also, you can even say things like, am I crazy for thinking this way? And just say it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think another thing, like we talked about this a little bit last week, but, you know, maybe you say, hey, you're so good at making cakes. Will you help me with this cake? Or you're so good at getting out on your walks. Can I come with you? Or, you know, ask for help. And then allow everything else to fall into place. But I think the the main thing that I got and remembered, and I, I think that David, you corroborated that really well, is just that when we're lonely, we're not happy. And 
we know that from from what David has said all the time, which is the kryptonite to depression is connection. And depression doesn't have to be, oh, I'm clinically depressed and, you know, suicidal thoughts to be, I really, I really just, I need someone to talk to. So. Well, I think I have the opposite of social anxiety. I I get really fearful and I get really, if I'm not like talking with other people or have had a meaningful conversation hmm. within that day, I get really antsy. And not that I'm looking like- Because you just thrive on those connections. Well, I I didn't realize I did because I used to, a few years ago, I used to get home from work and just shut it down. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I would call those same guys and be like, what's up? And I just wanted to talk like I was a 16-year-old adolescent boy with no responsibilities in the world and goof off. Now those same guys I call and I'm like, dude, how you been lately? Like I was thinking about this and I didn't realize, but my loneliness recognized that if I'm lonely, they got to be lonely too. They yeah. don't talk to any other guys like this. So then I would ask them about their day. Next thing you know, they start talking about their wife, this, that, and they start going on and they start feeling better. Then they start to go, you know, how have you been lately? I, I've been good. You know I mean? It's just honestly, I just miss stuff like this. I start thinking about where we're at in our life and, and we start reflecting and they have the exact same fears and worries that I have. Am I going to have enough money when I die? Or, you know, am, am I going <laughs> to die because of natural causes or because I didn't take good care of myself? Like all these things that are stressing me out turns on every single one of my friends is thinking the same thing. They're relieved that I'm just going first and saying something. I'm relieved that when I'm saying it, that they want to talk about those things. And I just, I get so down thinking, if you want to kill me, just separate me from being able to communicate and talk with other human beings. And that would just, it would be the death of me. It would just destroy me. And I, I just, I don't want anyone else out there. If you're feeling the sadness, the sadness and loneliness and you feel disconnected, I do not want anyone else out there to think that that's something specifically just for you. Cause I fight it every single day. It's my biggest fear is that I'm going to die alone. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been that way for quite some time, but I'm now ex- like just being honest with it. Like I'm calling my friends and saying, I'm really partly calling you because I'm lonely and I need someone to talk to because I feel like I start getting depressed. I start in my own head. And then they won't shut up for 30 minutes saying, really? Because I feel it. And then they I'm doing a counseling session with my cousins, my friends and that. And they're like, I know you just give me a counseling session. I'm like, but you're my friend. Like, I want to do this for you. Like, that's why I have this skill set. Like, if you're like the best mechanic in the world, your buddy calls you up. You're like, come on over. It's no big deal for me. I can do that all day long, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you kind of giving the the guy side. I mean, I know you're a feeling guy. <laughs> you're a feelings guy. <laughs> but the reality is as humans, it's it's just a human condition. And so I, you know, to each one of my friends who are probably listening to this saying, Oh, I actually had that conversation with Heidi. Um, thank you for for sharing that with me. I um it's something that's that's been on my mind. And I think what better can we do to model for our kids than have really quality relationships that And talk to our kids when when you're having a difficulty relationship and they see your stress, explain to your kids. I've helped parents just say, Hey, listen, you know, aunt so and so, uncle so and so, I remember my friend, you know, I I've been frustrated because I felt that they weren't there for me as a friend. They may have felt differently. I've been trying to get them to notice me and talk to me, and now I realize that I have to let this go for now. Your kids at a very young age, they'll start to pick up what that means. It doesn't take them long. My daughter at six years old, five years old, starts saying, Dad, 
I know exactly what that's like. I know how that feels. And she wasn't kidding. And then she'd give me an example at a small little tiny scale, but she could relate. So I'm modeling for her, this friend, I don't want to say this isn't a good friend. This friendship just doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything for them. And so instead of being mad and upset and trying to figure out why this person's not a good friend right now, I'm going to go talk to all these other people that would love to talk to me. Right. They don't have to compete to try to get them to like me. They are, it's just a given, you know? And these are things that we can do to help our kids have better friends, to teach them and share with them what we're experiencing with our own friend relationships. So everyone start a book club this week. That's right. <laughs> no. Um, An ebook club. That's right. We should, <laughs> you guys, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for whatever you're doing. Thanks for taking us along. Thanks for telling your your friends and the people that you're connecting with about our podcast and sharing the information with people who need it. And thank you for helping us to light the fight.